Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Marlins 9. I'm Jeremiah Geiger. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremiah Geiger 2 and follow the podcast. Listen wherever you get your pods. And I'm going to jump into the pod tonight by talking about the World Baseball Classic. It It ended this past week. It was one of the best things that could have happened for baseball, the sport of baseball as a whole. I absolutely loved it. There was a lot of backlash. There was a lot of hate towards the World Baseball Classic, especially after the injury to Edwin Diaz, um, potentially a season-ending injury in the Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic game. A lot of people were saying on Twitter, that the World Baseball Classic is meaningless, that there was no point to it. It was just a place where injuries were bound to happen, unnecessary injuries, and it was hurting Major League Baseball. And the immediate response I have for that, and for those people who say that, is you have to look at the players. You have to look at the players' reactions and how they feel about it. And these players cared. These players were proud to go out and play baseball representing their country, representing their culture. And I think that to say that it doesn't matter when you can see it clearly does, not only to the players, but to the fan bases, the enormous turnout of of fans at the game and also watching the game, I believe multiple World Baseball Classic games were right up there and above, in fact, viewership numbers than World Series games. Like, people watched this tournament. People watched these games. And to say that it doesn't matter is an absolute slap in the face to everyone involved. I think the games were incredibly entertaining I have a couple, um, I mean, Japan and U.S., uh, my favorite, just to be able to see Shohei Otani and and Mike Trout, two of the best ball players to ever play baseball, face off against each other in a one-run game, last out. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. It really doesn't. To see that at that at the world stage, it was awesome. It was just absolutely incredible. And I think that the World Baseball Classic, this tournament in particular, I wish it was more often than every four years. Um, But I'm going to be super excited for the next one. Another memory I have from this tournament is the Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic game. I have a couple really good friends who who are from PR, and we watched the game together. And they're not necessarily big baseball fans. I'm the biggest sports fan out of us three. But we watched the game and just, it was awesome. You know, it was awesome. They were cheering on PR, cheering on Puerto Rico, even though they weren't baseball fans. They wanted to watch the game. We watched the entire the entire game on Fox Sports and then Fox crashed. The app, for those of you who were watching it on the app, um, it crashed in the ninth inning. And so 
we quickly pulled up YouTube and found a radio broadcast of the game in Spanish. And even then, when you could hear Edwin Diaz get the get the final out, it was a strikeout. Uh, Siéntate, like just the passion behind the behind the announcer and his voice. It it's something that was really truly special. You could hear the excitement and enthusiasm behind it. And although PR eventually lost to Mexico, um, everybody was proud of that team. Everybody was proud of their country whenever they lost from, from Israel, Nicaragua, Cuba. Um, well, Cuba, I guess is a little bit of a different story. You have, um, Actually, another interesting detail to get into, speaking of Cuba, is the bullpen catcher after Cuba lost to the U.S., he did not board the flight to back to Cuba, the return flight, and he stayed in U.S. There was a big movement um, for freedom during the U.S. and Cuba game in Miami. A lot of fans constantly che- cheering and chanting, Libertad, uh, of course, which means freedom, freedom, freedom. And there was a protester who ran onto the field. And when he was let off, it was to applause. The The fans were cheering and he was carrying a, you know, it was a sign of protest. And so I, I to be uh, completely honest, I don't know how how you can represent that without the world baseball classic of course the cubans are proud of their culture are they proud of the government it 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 was a world stage it all came together and we had so many different cultures and countries all come together and participate in in a sport which unites us and it was something really special and awesome to see so now transitioning into more of Major League Baseball and the Miami Marlins, we do have quite a few topics uh, to get into, starting with the starting rotation. With the Marlins starting rotation going into opening day, there was a bit of a question, would there be a six-man rotation? You know, with Sandy Alcantara, Eddie Cabrera, Johnny Cueto, the addition of Johnny Cueto to the to the rotation, that's three. Then you have you have Braxton Garrett, which would be four. Trevor Rogers is five, and I I believe I am missing one. Kind of having a, a brain freeze at the moment. So we would have Braxton Garrett, Edward Cabrera, Sandy Alcantara, Trevor Rogers, Jesus Lazarna. That's who it is. I I completely blanked right there, guys. But Jesus Lazardo would be the that sixth uh, potential starter. He's obviously in the rotation. I expect to have him have a breakout year. So it really came down, it looked like, to Edward, Edward Cabrera and Braxton Garrett. The Marlins are rolling with a five-man rotation to start the year. It's not going to be a six-man. Um, Cabrera and Garrett each have one minor league option remaining. So... I don't. I never expected the Marlins to send down Eddie Cabrera to start the year. I think he had a really good season last year, 
in his rookie year. And I expect big things from him this season. Braxton Garrett, according to Skip Schumacher, has possibly opened a door for himself to be that that long man uh, reliever, that first guy, that long man reliever out of the pen, uh, a guy that has starting experience, can spot start for you. And you know injuries are bound to happen. They always do, especially with this ball club. So I expect him to get plenty of starts along the way in 2023 as well. Danny Castano is another guy who who could be expected to pick up some some innings. He was DFA'd earlier this uh, offseason, but he cleared waivers and is still with the organization. He's a guy that can can start for the Marlins um, as, as kind of that backup role. If a guy goes down, he can come up and provide some, some starting appearances. So overall, my feelings about the rotation as we head into opening day, I, I'm, I'm pretty pumped up. Like, obviously we got Sandy. Can he defend his Cy Young crown? And then, Hey, uh, Johnny Cueto, he's going to eat up innings, had a really nice bounce back year with the White Sox last year, comes over on a minor league deal. Everyone expected him to to make the rotation. He's going to eat up some innings and start some games for the fish, as was always expected. Jesus Lazardo is the guy I'm expecting to have a breakout year. He is my Marlin this season uh, preseason predictions to have a really big breakout season. I I think he has the potential to to get some Cy Young votes. And my bold prediction, if you will, is Jesus Lazardo finishes top five, top five in Cy Young voting. I I was gonna go a little higher, but you know we got Sandy on the team. I I hope Sandy wins another one with how dominant he is, but I think Jesus Lazardo has a potential to get a, quite a few Cy Young votes, and who knows, maybe he can win the whole thing. But I'm going to go with top five in Cy Young voting. It's a he's a guy lefty, you know, throws absolute gas, has all the has all the pitches, has all the stuff. It was always about between the you know his mental approach to the game. And I think he's going to turn that corner this year. We saw it last year. When healthy, the dude can be an absolute animal when he's dialed in. I expect more of the same, if not more. Again, top five Cy Young voting and an all-star appearance. I'm going to throw that in there. I think Jesus Lazardo, bold prediction, is going to be an all-star in 2023. Along with Jazz Chisholm. And Sandy Alcantara. And last but not least, Luis Arias. That is my bold prediction, guys. Jesus Lizardo, top five, Cy Young, all-star. Luis Arias, all-star. Sandy, all-star. And Jazz Chisholm, all-star. Marlon's going to have four all-stars. And they'll be competitive by the all-star break. I'm just, I'm just throwing things out there, guys. So... Luzardo's a name to watch for moving back onto the the offensive side of the game and the hitters. 
interesting development, interesting move by the Marlins front office. Yuli Gurriel, Jose Iglesias, the whole situation with that. Yuli Gurriel and Jose Iglesias both signed to minor league deals, invite invitation to spring training. Um, I expected Jose Iglesias to make the major league roster. I honestly, when the signing happened, I expected both of them to make the major league roster. But when it kind of became clear there was going to be one spot for the two of them, uh, shortly after the Marlins decided they were going to roll with Guriel on the major league roster for opening day, Iglesias decided to stay in the Marlins organization. So I expect to see him to see him up in the big league level shortly. I don't expect him to stay down in AAA for a huge period of time. And with the Marlins injury history, as I've talked about, who knows how soon that could be. But I disagree with the move if it was between one or the other. If it was between one or the other, I would have picked Iglesias because he provides an elite defensive glove. He prov- He's an absolute you know, magnet when it comes to shortstop can make really good plays. Doesn't make a lot of errors. Um, he's a better defensive shortstop than Joey Wendell by far. And when you look at the numbers, you know, he's profiled as a quote unquote weak hitting shortstop. Um, not a lot of power, but he can hit lefties really well. Um, I believe it's two, yeah, two. I got the stats here: two ninety-one versus lefties in his career uh, from the right side of the plate. While Joey Wendell hits at a two thirty-two clip versus lefties, and obviously Wendell is a left-handed hitter. So I thought the obvious, uh, the smart decision, and I thought quite obvious to be honest, was to platoon Wendell and Iglesias. I think that would would have been the more efficient way of handling things but the front office decided to to roll in another direction um and there won't be a shortstop platoon between iglesias and wendell at least at the beginning of the year things can change but john birdie the ultra utility guy is going to be backing up um Shortstop be backing up Wendell, it looks like, to start the year. And I don't really have a problem with that. I like Birdie, but I think Iglesias, seeing as he can hit lefties really well and provides that extra defense that, you know, Wendell doesn't necessarily have, um, I would have liked to see Jose come opening day. But it's not a make-or-break move. It's just something I wanted to touch on um, as we end spring training and head to opening day this week. Uh, now, the bullpen. Um, so there's three guys I want to talk about. The big three Marlins that have been acquired this offseason were A.J. Puck, Matt Barnes, and J.T. Chargo. If I say that right, I don't speak French, but... JT Shargo, AJ Puck, and Matt Barnes. Their spring training, not a ton of innings. It's a bullpen. You're not gonna you're not gonna throw them a ton. You want to see a lot of guys pick up some innings and get looked at. But AJ Puck, I 
I got to say I'm really excited for for this season. I think he has the highest ceiling of the bunch, even higher than than Matt Barnes. Um, big left-hander, super tall. He's a former first-round pick out of out of Florida. You know, started out as a as a starter, and is moved to the bullpen. But he's got power stuff. You know, high nineties electric fastball can strike out hitters in spring training. He only pitched six innings, six and two thirds, struck out ten. He does have strikeout stuff. He's a guy where if there's any type of closing uh, or closer by committee type scenario, he's a guy to look out for who could possibly step in and, and snatch that job. Obviously, Dylan Floro is going to start, it looks like, as the closer. But we know the Marlins have a history of closers the last five years or so where there can be some inconsistency. There can be some some really bad blown save opportunities. Uh, the last closer I was personally truly confident in was A.J. Ramos, and that was a few years ago. So... But if there's any question as the season progresses as to an opening of who can start or who can close a game for the fish, AJ Puck is a guy to look out for. Can who can get you those three outs, power stuff, breaking ball. Um, so that's definitely somebody to keep your eye out for as a ninth inning woes hopefully don't continue for the fish in 2023. He could slide right in there. Matt Barnes, you know, Matt Barnes comes over from the Red Sox and had a really almost tale of two seasons last year. Um, finished strong in the second year and or the second half of the season. And it looks like was pretty much told by the front office. Uh, well, we kind of think that's a fluke. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to want to prove that, no, he he's back to his form of 2022 in the second half. He can pitch. He's got high-octane stuff. He's got gas. He's going to come at you with fastball, and it's going to be, it's going to be heavy. It's going to be heat. I like that the Marlins went out and got two big-time flamethrowers. They got Tanner Scott again. Haven't forgot about Tanner Scott. He's seen some action in the closing, in the closing role. I think that the the Marlins bullpen is actually going to perform above, way above last year, but it's going to be be performing above expectations. I think the bullpen is actually underrated. If everything breaks right, and the new additions, AJ Puck, uh, Matt Barnes, especially settle into roles, stay healthy, and pitch to their stuff, then, you know, the Marlins might have a fairly consistent uh, above-average bullpen um, in 2023, which would be absolutely awesome. It's something that we're not used to. It's something that I'm not used to. I've, I've, I've talked about on the pod the frustrations of the bullpen. So... A lot rides with these 
with these new additions. And speaking of a guy in the bullpen who is back in the minors, but is a lefty who I expect to see this season and to perform um, in some high leverage situations. His name is Josh Simpson. Um, He's a guy we could see later this year. Of course, he was optioned back to the minors, but he's on the 40-man roster in AA and AAA last season. Had 112 strikeouts and 68 innings pitched. He's somebody to look for that if there's any bullpen trouble, somebody's not performing, uh, make a switch. Go ahead, make a switch. Don't hesitate. Just bring somebody up there. He's somebody who I expect to see in the majors contributing for the Marlins. And last thing really to talk about today is Jazz Chisholm. There's a tweet by Jazz. He said he's he he's bookmarking it, guys. He's bookmarking all the tweets, all the hate he's getting. He's saying, watch when I play 155 games. Y'all gonna be talking now, you know, along the lines of, hey, just I, I I'm ready. This is my year. This is what I'm this is what I get out of Jazz. Is he's confident, he's ready. And if you don't think he is, then you know, whatever. You know, you can, you can go do your own thing. So I I think he's a man on a mission, guys. I'm super excited for Jazz this season. I think when healthy, he has with this, um, in, in this point in time in 2023, you know, he could be, you could be looking at 25, 25, 30, 30 type season from Jazz, 30 homers, 30 stolen bases. Um, he's got the talent, Luis Arias, um, you know, this Marlins lineup, I was hoping they were going to get another, um, another bat, but if Jazz Chisholm can stay healthy for the entire season, well, there's a superstar in your lineup for the entire season. Whereas the last couple of years, he's only been in there part, part way before succumbing to injury. So a big thing is his conditioning. Is he going to stay healthy? Um, no freak injuries, nothing like that. I'm expecting a huge season from Jazz, and I hope it carries on to the rest of the lineup because Avi Garcia, Jorge Soler, we keep talking about these names, but once again, Avi Garcia has had such an awful spring training. Just as looks like he cannot put the ball in play, struck out the most out of any Marlins hitters this spring. They've got to step it up, you know, even with the additions of Luis and if Jazz can maintain a full season, um, we're going to need more production from the big boppers in the lineup, Avi Garcia and Jorge Soler, to have any chance at making a run in the National League East this off se- this, this season. So once again, um, thank you all for listening. And until next time, guys, um, let's go fish.